Well, that's the, the point of the show. We're very opinionated people. Yes, yes. Everyone who makes a podcast is. Yeah, but they don't pretend to be opinionated. They pretend to be neutral. Like, that's what game journalism is now. Motherfucker, I saw an article today who was like, oh, I feel so awkward playing Modern Warfare 2 with uh, real war going on. Oh, I don't like the way this makes me feel. I was like, fuck the fuck off. Yeah, because war is such a new concept. The point of these things, going back to World War II and infinite into the year 3000 or whatever, it's always been and always will. Sorry, to be human is to be in conflict. Yeah, what about all those times, all those previous first-person shooters that he was playing when there were still troops in Afghanistan and Iraq? There, there has literally never not been war. And what is it good for? Making some fun video games. This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Loki Jarson. Here, uh, with me here again today is Joe Sizzy. How are you doing, Sizzy? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm excellent. Uh, first bit, let's do some news, because this is a news journalism podcast, and we are professional journalists who are professionally paid. That's exactly right. All the big bucks. <laughs> the medium bucks. Uh, the week of us recording this, so you know how old this episode is, both Konami and Capcom came out with new, well, new, quote-unquote, installments in their uh, long-running horror franchises. Konami showed a, a showcase of Silent Hill 2 Remake, which people have been port-begging for years. And uh, another Silent Hill game, and like a mobile game, and like a movie. And uh, the interest on the Twitter, as far as I can tell, has been very mixed. Uh... I never played any Silent Hill games, but I've seen playthroughs of them, and they've never really done anything for me. It, it always seems like a huge pain in the ass to play, but I know that two is the most beloved of the series. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I never played any of them. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I've seen playthroughs and all that, and uh, I know quite a bit about them. But I don't know what it was. We were talking about that the other day when they first revealed these, like why I didn't play them when I was younger and. Because hmm. uh, I've always I've always liked horror games and Resident Evil, which we're going to talk about later, is one of my favorites. And it's not like I really felt a you know fanboy loyalty back then for Resident <laughs> Evil, and you know told myself no, I'm not I'm not playing Silent Hill. They're the competition. But it was maybe it was just the setting just always looked you know everything's foggy and grimy and you know, back then, janky looking, I don't know. There's something to be said for aesthetic, right? Like, on the PlayStation 1, when these games originally came out, you could only do so much. And 2, we had a little more, you know, a little prettier, and then we've gone all the way into where we are now. But aesthetic of grime and grit is always kind of centralized to the modern horror game. But Silent Hill has always been ugly, no matter when. It's, like, been purposefully ugly on purpose. You go down a hallway and it's just brown and dirty and filthy. It's just bleh. Like, that's the point of the game. Yeah. 
and even though I just said that I didn't play it because I was a fan of Resident Evil, I, I couldn't help compare the two back then. And Resident mm-hmm. Evil always had the colorful characters, both visually and personality-wise, and uh, the settings were always uh, really, really memorable and varied. And there was a lot more enemy types in Resident Evil, it seemed like. But uh, yeah, just seemed like I a have my own. Too my own personal issues that are with early Resident Evils, but I will 100% acknowledge that it is more of a game than Silent, any Silent Hill game. Because they, it's like, oh, you gotta manage your ammo and all this crap. Oh, you gotta worry about how many herbs. Oh no, you've been poisoned. Whatever. But it's still a video game, you know? It's still designed for you to have fun in it. Every time I see a Silent Hill thing, I was like, does anyone have fun playing this? Like, are you just you're just a shit farmer and you just grind low-level enemies and smack him with a wrench and then the wrench breaks and it's like oh no your your loved one you've been looking for has been dead all along it's all in your head Ooh. yeah definitely one of the first uh, examples of psychological horror at least in the video game sphere so i guess that kind of stuff does appeal to people uh, i've never been that I've, I've never been that kind of horror fan uh i i like more mundane threats <laughs> That, yeah, you can but see it's, in here. it's the degree of interactivity, right? Because in Resident Evil, even the early games, you know, you're looking to stop the monsters. In Silent Hill, they purposefully designed it so you have incredibly low resources, so you need to avoid the monster. Don't fight, you know. Explore the depths of your psyche. And it's like, yeah, but what if I want to fight? Don't. No, okay, well, no, no, I'm not playing your game. And there's a lot of. I have to internalize this bias, shall we say. Because that still happens. Look at a game like, say, this is not a terrific comparison, but those Dark Pictures games, right? They're on the fringe of horror, but there's still things you can do in them. There's a lot of, you know, celebrities, a lot of uh, digital acting, but you still do things in them. You know, you still fight enemy, you still hide from enemy, you still engage in decision-making conversation, quick-time events. You know, it's a game. As opposed to something like Outlast, Outlast is barely a game. And the game, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's and the, the one where you're... The other very similar one, Bendy's Ink something or other. It's like you're not fighting anything. You're just hiding all the time. You sneak around. You run out of battery. You look through your damn slender uh, camera. And you just hide the whole game. It's like, how is this a game? How is this fun to play? Why are there so many of these? Yeah. Uh, the dark picture games are... They're kind of prettier better looking telltale games or at least you know different yeah. art style whatnot so but yeah they're you're right they have a they have a set gameplay loop and you know what you're getting you know you know what to expect every time you boot one up um i've never played outlast but i yeah i i do know about it and yeah there's very little interaction or things to do um and i think I think Alien Isolation, which I've also never played, um, <laughs> uh, suddenly turned into the video game podcast of games we have not played. But uh, Oh, that's not the first time we've ever done that. Of course not. But I think there's also a lot of hiding in Alien. But I do think you eventually do fight back against the Alien in that game. So uh, I've I played it on Game Pass. I think I got like four hours in. Uh, not yet. It's just a lot of hiding. Very boring, but lots of people love it. But it it's it's an interesting dichotomy here because in, in terms of like the Silent Hills, the isolations, the uh, Outlast, there's a genre of game 
horror game, subgenre, I guess I could say, of where all you're doing is being scared. You're just being tense. You know, whatever you want to say about those early Resident Evils, I still don't think there was that much tension. Maybe early, but, you know, late game Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2, you're not scared of nothing because you've got an arsenal. Uh, late game Silent Hill 1, 2, 3, 4, The Room, uh, Downpour, you're constantly terrified because you've got no resources. Yeah, yeah, and I guess uh, there's probably some purists out there that would say that's that's what a horror game should be like, but uh, I think the tension from Resident Evil games always came from what's around the next corner, and am I sufficiently prepared for it? Hmm. Which, I, you know, probably shares that quality with Silent Hill. Um, like you said, when you get to a certain point in the end game, late game, you, you know, you, you're pretty fully decked out and you're, you know, you know, feeling pretty good about yourself, whatever you come across. But, uh, that sense of, at least for me, that sent that, that, uh, need to hoard all of my ammunition and all my best weapons. That's, and I've been like that ever since. And I think that probably when it originated, when I played the earlier Resident Evil games, um, just I, cause like you get a really good weapon and I wouldn't want to use it right away. It's, it's like, okay, I, I got sure. I, yeah, I got the Magnum. All right, I'm not going to use this. Even on Hunters, even if I'm low health, I'm still just going to manage with my pistol and shotgun or whatever. So, And that, yeah, that's been instilled in me uh, to this day. It's, it's very interesting because I didn't play any of those spooky games. You know, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't give you why. I don't know my parents or me. I don't know what the reasoning was. I never graduated gravitated gravitated towards those kind of games uh, mostly because i didn't have a playstation they were all on friggin playstation um so when i play something scary you know the scariest games i've ever played and we've kind of transitioned here but are uh, the first dead space and like the first bioshock the first bioshock to me was fucking terrifying because yeah you've got a lot of guns there's a dude you never see on the radio constantly telling you about things there's weird whispers in the corner there's monsters jumping out it's dark as fuck it's, you know, constantly raining because you're underwater. These huge, lumbering, slow things. And I say the first, like, first 75% of that game is tension-filled corridors, but you have a lot of guns, so it's not too terrible. Yeah, that's a, you bring up a good point with the setting, being underwater in Rapture. It, it always, I always felt they did a really good job of uh, making that, that feeling of claustrophobia come and cross in almost, you know, everywhere you went in that game. Hmm. Every hallway and every corridor you would go into, yeah, there, it, it was really that game was pretty creepy. I will admit. <laughs> Plus, all the little girls sneaking around, saying weird shit, mm-hmm. terrifying. The creepiest um, of all. But that, but those two, I I highlight those two in specific because yes, they're scary, but I've got a fuck ton of guns, so I can fight back. And I think that's where my appeal lies. It's not in constantly being terrified it's okay there's something scary i'm gonna go kill it uh so that allows us very nice to transition to resident evil 4 that was the first one i ever played way back on the gamecube uh and i cheated the hell out of it but you know i I played through like four or five times i think for gamecube game that was phenomenal and you know different weapons and stuff and occasional different mode i don't remember if mercenaries was on the gamecube a long time uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, 
believe it was unlocked after you beat the game. Hmm. Uh, there's been so many versions of the game. It's, it's, it's That's hard. true. Yes, they have. It's interesting that they're doing a remake, considering they've re-released it every year, basically since its their initial release. Uh, it definitely feels that way. That's for sure. I couldn't even. It'd be. It would take less time to name all the platforms. It's not available on. <laughs> so before they uh, finally showcased it, I mean, it was, it's been rumored for years. Uh, and then we finally had a look at it earlier this year, I believe. You know, some like very brief scene, and then, like here's a character model in shadows, like oh, it's spooky. But uh, a day after the Silent Hill two remake reveal, uh, they showed the Resident Evil four remake. And that was way more impressive on both the technical level and the gameplay level. Yeah, it's funny. If they hadn't scheduled the showcase beforehand, weeks weeks ahead of time, mm-hmm. uh, I would have said that they released it in direct competition of the Silent Hill <laughs> trailer drops. Just to steal their thunder, but... Uh... Yeah, I think it was. I guess it was just uh, good timing or poor con- poor timing if you're Konami. Well, they, Konami, good God, Konami, we could spend a whole show talking about all their mistakes. But what do they have left? Really, they have Silent Hill and they have Metal Gear, and they're not doing anything with one of those. Yeah, I guess they still got some other IPs like Castlevania and a few others, but it's been so long since. Like you said, they've done anything significant with them. I just, I, mm. I can't even remember any of the. Meanwhile, Capcom's coming out with banger after banger. They're a huge uh, market share in Japan specifically, and you know the, the Monster Hunters and the Resident Evils. Not Monster Hunter. I'm sorry. Uh, is it Monster Hunter? What the fuck is that one where you hunt monsters? Is it yeah. called Monster Hunter? I, I don't play it. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, Capcom's Monster Hunter, I believe. Monster Hunter. Yeah. And you know Street Street Fighter, and of course Resident Evil series. And they've, they own rights to Mega Man and Devil May Cry. They haven't done Mega Man in a long time. But they've released games recently in these franchises that made a shitload of money, so they can just keep pouring it back into it. So their output is, over the last few years has been crazy. They're coming up with that dinosaur game that are, that's not uh, Dino Crisis, remember? Yeah, yeah, I, don't, I can't think of the name of it, though. Exo Primal, I remember. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, so they can just pour resources back into their franchise and make them look incredible. So, first of all, Resident Evil 4 looks like a next-gen game, finally. It's nice to see. Although 2 and 3, you know, had their moments. Uh, most of my concerns about, with, like, character modeling and voice acting were half-and-half half Olivia. It's like, I like the new look of mostly everyone. I'm not too keen on the new voices for everyone. Yeah, no, the uh, voices, I'm... <laughs> you know, I like... I like the guy that got playing Leon. He did it in this two remake, and he's mm-hmm. just—he's kind of changed his tone. It's a little—he little, sounds more like a man instead of a little boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as bright-eyed <laughs> anymore. He's been through some shit, and he's a little, little, gr- little gruffer, little uh, lower tone, which is appropriate for what's he, what the character's been through. But, um, like Ashley, I can't even, you know. I don't hate it, and it's not as shrilly as the original Ashley, mm-hmm. but uh, I can't, I can't think of it, like, you know, off the top of my head. And I've heard, I've heard her voice several times in trailers and whatnot. Uh, it's just, I guess, just generic white girl voice, <laughs> but uh, it, I can live with it. But Luis sounds and looks 
like the greasiest mf'er you ever laid eyes on <laughs> he's so scummy it's like oh man this guy we i can't say antonio banderas suave but i think that's what they were going for in the original uh, gamecube release mm-hmm. he's like i'm a cool guy buy nasonex for honey nut cheerios <laughs> you know stuff like that this guy's like Oh, you're looking for someone, huh? I'm doing a little dance while I'm talking like this, because this is how people do this talk. He was kind of shimmying back and forth. (laughs) That was weird. He just got the greasiest hair and the ugliest dude. It's like, oh, man, that guy's great. I love him already. Yeah. I will, (laughs) yeah, I'll admit the original Luis in 4 had, you know, he was was a little slick, because he was basically, you know, he defected from... Sadler's organization and stole mm-hmm. the sample of the Lost Plagas virus. So yeah, he's there's a little shiftiness to him, but uh, yeah, they went they went full all in on the snake oil dealer in this remake. It's, it's, uh, it's good you bring that up because I think there are going to be very similar story elements. I can't see them changing too much of the story elements. I think they will change character elements. Uh, it's time to talk about it in the original game. Uh, when Luis first meets Ashley, he's like, wow, you've got big tits. And there's no way in hell we're going to get that in this new game because we live in current year. Whether or not we should is irrelevant. That's not going to happen. So I think that's what's going to happen. Later on, later, much later in the game, uh, Ada, who shows up in this game, I don't know, wearing his red Chinese Shangsam, I think they're called. I could be wrong. Uh, and Krauser, one of the villains, that says, ah, the bitch in the red dress. And it's like, okay, that's not going to happen either. One, because they've changed their outfit. And two, there's no way they're going to let him say that. Mm-hmm. And you can say, ah, oh, you know, wokeification, the Obamification of America's pussies, uh, Japan, whatever, leading to pop ideology. If it's still fun to play, I will ignore, happily ignore all that shit. But I'm absolutely guaranteeing they're going to change character work to fit in with a more modern audience. Yeah, you're exactly right, and I, all those things you, all those examples you listed, you know, everything, a lot of things that are wrong with media today, I still have a problem with those, but, you know, call me a hypocrite, but I kind of give a little leeway when it's a franchise and game I love, and also the fact that it's a remake. Um, Yeah, yeah, all we can do is kind of shake our fist at it. But, you know, I went over this off-air about the Saints Row stuff. It's like, I don't like what you're telling me, but I enjoy the gameplay enough that I can ignore what you're telling me. And I think that's the very, you know, the uniqueness of games, that you can get your own experience out of the thing. If if these voice actors suck, and the things they say suck in Resident Evil 4, skip the fucking cutscene. Don't pay attention. Go make a sandwich and come back and play the actual game part, the part that matters. Yeah, and it's... The whole sensory thing is... <laughs> you know, kind of weird. Don't want to go to a tangent or anything, but you know, you, you brought up the line of Luis's line of, uh, you know, commenting on Ashley's, uh, assets when they I first, see the made... president has equipped his daughter with ballistics. ballistics. And I could totally see them cutting that out. And I don't really have a problem with that. I do think it, uh, adds to his character. And I think it would add even more to this, his remakes character, uh, you know, slimy looking fucker he is, but, uh, taking out, you know, the other example you gave Krauser's line about referring to Ada as the bitch in the red dress, Hmm. um, you know, aside from the fact that she's changing her outfit, it doesn't make sense to take that line out because Krauser's a bad guy. 
it's the <laughs> it's the pagan men argument all again. Like, oh no, yeah. he's yeah. oh, I can't believe this guy's a racist. And Ubisoft had to say, yeah, he's a bad guy. Bad guys are racist. So yeah, bad guys shouldn't be censored. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, how about that? Uh, the, the other characters they've introduced in Sadler is less Emperor Palpatine camp. Uh, Mendez is a big Spider-Man with a beard. Uh, Salazar is a little midget. Sorry, a little midget with his big poofy hat hair now instead of a big hat. Uh, who's the other fucker? Somebody else. Oh, the sheriff. Oh, the merchant. The fucking merchant. Oh, yeah. He's not Australian anymore. R.I.P. Bad Australian merchant. Now he's bad British. Yeah. Yeah, I did not, uh, did not sound Australian at all. And I'm <laughs> reading comments on the internet. I'm amazed on how many people thought the original merchant's voice sounded like a British accent. <laughs> no. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not the best with identifying dialects, but... That was most certainly an Australian accent, what he used in that. And it was, yeah, it's a shame that they didn't get Paul Mercier back, who actually voiced Leon as well in the original. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did Leon and the Merchant. But, you know, it's uh, something I'm, to get I'm used not, to. If you have any final, I'm cutting this part out, but if you have any final thoughts on this, this is what I want to use to transition to the voice actor thing. Uh, No, just to say that I'm looking forward to you know, our you know, remake and all that. And oh this, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, trailer. This recent trailer has just turned my hype and excitement up to the maximum. And I cannot believe it's going to be out like five months cross fingers with uh, as many delays as we get nowadays. I said this to you off here, but I think it's worth repeating. We've seen so far what they've kept and what they're adding. We won't know what they're taking away until we actually play it. We won't know what we've lost until we got it, or it's gone, I guess. Yeah, mo yeah. most of the time developers don't tell you about what they're taking no, out. No, they do and, not. Uh, and Unless they're Bioware, but yes. Yeah, and yeah, they usually don't do it in fear that they uh, may lose customers that way. Um, mm -hmm. Or if there's just a great outpouring of, is this going to be in, is this going to be in, is this going to be in, and they just... just go yes or no or whatever just to shut up the masses uh, <laughs> but I hope they I hope they add more than they take away and hopefully the stuff they take away is not a big deal like he's maybe the throwaway lines I still speaking of the dialogue I do still wish they keep the campy stuff uh, Leon told one joke in that new trailer where he set a cow on fire also what a dick but <laughs> It's like, there's hope, you know, it's like, maybe he could have thrown a quip every now and then, because the, the, uh, these games were never dead serious until about five and six. I think six really dialed it up. There's no happiness in six at all. Mm -hmm. There's no jokes in seven or village. It's like, nobody's smiling, joking, cracking wise. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of that camp in the early game just because of the bad voice acting on purpose. Mm-hmm. But for you know, Leon is constantly quipping throughout that game. He's throwing one-liners like he's in the fucking Die Hard movie constantly. Yeah, and I think that's a. I think it was a nice callback to the earlier games. You know, it's still because mm -hmm. with the new perspective in four that they added in four, it was such a obviously it was such a drastic new direction for the franchise, and a lot of people, including myself, were afraid 
that it was going to be it wasn't going to be a good direction it was going to be a bad thing for the game and i don't you know i was afraid it was just going to lose its identity and i think having those lines in uh you know really made it feel like you know kept the spirit of the old Mm -hmm. campy dialogue from the earlier resident evils alive and you know of course also helped that the game is just fun and amazing it's great to play yeah (laughs) and hopefully they just add you know they add on more to that you know more guns uh from the trailer you can see that there's a there's a parry system and i guess i don't know if it's and it, i i think there's also a, like a self-defense system as well which has been in previous uh, resident evils including the re1 remake and the re2 remake and but yeah they've kicked it up a notch with this new parry system and i don't think it's i don't think it's indefinite because uh if you notice in the trailer when he parries the chainsaw guy uh with a knife uh you can tell the icon turn for the knife turns red uh, which seems to indicate that it that it broke or lost all durability or whatnot and you couldn't use it again so that's nice you know you know not a constant security get out of free you know get out of jail free card whenever right. you're in shit which is what happened with three right like jill had infinite dodge right yeah, you could essentially spam it. Now you could also, you could get caught. You know, you could t- if you your timing was off, you could also get tagged. But uh, if you got one of the got one of the training manuals that increases the timing window of the invincibility frames, then yeah, you could essentially just go just swoop out of everything, and it's it's required if you want to beat it in the higher difficulties. But that, uh, yeah, that, that's okay. they putting the durability in for that at least seems to, yeah, really uh, make it so you can't abuse it. So, uh, anyways, yeah, let's. I don't usually like doing previews of games, but as an extended look at Resident Evil Four, more news in March. Uh, but we're both very much more hopeful than we were before the showcase. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we make exceptions for personally one of my favorite games of all time yeah it was my first resident evil i enjoyed it a hell of a lot way back when going again uh but uh, to tangent off from a little while ago speaking of changing voice actors they also changed the voice actors ada is back but it's not the same ada that was in resident evil 2 remake uh, i don't know the reasons why but here's what i do know it there's no uproar about it people are like huh that's different oh well and they move on do you know why there's no uproar about it uh no why isn't there because the voice the original voice actress for ada didn't come out and say don't buy this new game ah well at least yeah she's still got five months well yeah (laughs) so this is gonna be a really weird topic for us to talk about because it's about a game neither of us give a shit about but running with the theme of the episode (laughs) no no it's it's you know i'm not saying i won't play silent hill 2 remake I will play Resident Evil 4 Remake. I can't say I won't play Silent Hill 2. I'm not not interested. I'm not interested in Bayonetta 3, primarily because I did play Bayonetta 1 and 2, and I didn't like them. So I'm like, I don't want to continue this this franchise. I'm not... It's not my thing. So a couple weeks ago... This is going to be super dated when you hear this. I'm very sorry with the way I edit. But the original voice actress for 
Bayonetta, Helena Taylor, I believe her name is, uh, got replaced by Jennifer Hale. And we didn't know about this until like a month ago. And everybody's like, you know, I think Platinum Games came out and said, oh, there were scheduling conflicts. She couldn't make it. And you know, that happens. You know, VA's changing games a lot. It sucks that, you know, the voices from old Resident Evil 4 aren't in new Resident Evil 4. But that's the way things are. You know, it's a business. Yeah, plus um, that, that was that game came out 18 years ago. So it's a little more... I think Mercer could still do the voice. He probably could. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I've heard him in anything recently, but... Yeah. yeah it's a critical yeah. role. But yeah, uh, yes, but then uh, everyone just kind of figured, oh, well, that sucks. And then the original voice actor for Bayonetta made like a, a video or a post or something and said, uh, Platinum Games lowballed me. They didn't offer me enough money. I felt insulted. Uh, please don't buy the new game. Boycott it because I'm not in it, which is a hell of a thing for an actor to say, period. It's like, you know, you guys are in a union, right? And uh, you just like prevented yourself from getting in a new gig. Of course, because yeah, the internet is reactionary. Sorry, I was just going to say, not only is she in a union, she's also in the same union as Jennifer Hale is. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she's stabbing her in the back. Now, this was a, a two-pronged problem. One problem is you believe... I'm going to say we. When I say we, I'm going to use the overall arc of the internet, okay? I don't mean me and you. Universal we. Yeah. Yes, the royal we. Uh, you believe people when they tell you a thing directly. And a lot of people don't like, uh, I don't remember his, his first name, his family, is Kamiya, the guy in charge of Platinum Games, he was the co-founder, so he's not getting ousted anytime soon unless he does something actual criminal. But he went on like a Twitter blocking rampage when Taylor said, no, don't buy this game, they didn't give me enough money. And he was like, no, that's not the truth. That's not the truth at all. But he wouldn't say what the truth was. And then whether or not people actually attacked Jennifer Hale, this is another one of those things that's like, you know, when What's Her Nuts from Obi-Wan show was like, look at all these racist posts, shows two posts. It's like, how many are actually doing this, though? How many people are actually attacking Jennifer Hale with mean tweets? Like, what does that fucking mean? Yeah. yeah. So Hale came out with a statement that said, uh, I'm under an NDA. I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, be kind to each other, which is like, you know, your generic bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then, uh, almost there, and then news reports of actual, I say actual, journalist Shire was involved. But, you know, he's... It didn't involve PlayStation, so he can be unbiased in this one. Uh, Shire came out with a report, and VGC corroborated it and saying they didn't offer her. She said they offered her four thousand dollars. They offered her four thousand per session over like four or five sessions, so it's sixteen to twenty, which was the usual rate. And other voice actors, when Taylor uh, released her initial video, said that's the usual rate. I think Ben Diskin and some other people. Fucking uh, Solid Snake. What's his name? David Hader. David Hader even came out in support of her that on that same day. But lo and behold, when the reports came out, everyone was like, well, you know, she could have been telling the truth. That's almost as good. Voice actors really should be paid more because a majority of people took her side in the initial video. And when the stories came out, people were like, well, you know, it's a difficult situation. People didn't want to fucking apologize or, or you know, Take the L, so to speak. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, this whole, this whole situation has, I mean, there's just, there's, there's still a lot of unknowns on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that, a lawsuit incoming, I guarantee I, you. I, yeah, that we just still don't know because I, uh, 
yeah, you, you you said that Schreier came out and he had sources with the uh, recording studio that did the the English dubbing or VA mm-hmm. work for the game, and supposedly he had sources that told him how much he was getting per session and how many session approximate sessions would take to fully record the lines, plus documentation, which Schreier swears he saw but obviously he says oh no i can't i can't show them to you you know but i don't just trust me on this bro uh, no uh, again you know i think Schreier is like <sighs> this fucking guy he's it's incredibly self-proud and he's in, in the keely's verse of wanting to keep contacts in the industry like keep his media access so much so so he's willing to protect the media out like he's he's more likely to pro- want to protect platinum then tell the truth, yes. But I think uh, a lot of his shit has been Sony side, and this is a Nintendo story, so I'm more likely to believe it than if it were a story about, let's say, Naughty Dog, which I know he hid information on. Yeah, plus Helena Taylor is not likely to get him, you know, this backstage access to these development studios and the and and invites to these super secret you know exclusive events so yeah of course he's going to go bat with the big uh big developers uh, and publishers but but before the story broke on towards something you said before the it was post her video before the news stories you said you theorized that uh platinum lowballed her specifically to get her out because they didn't want her back and i said that's a very interesting idea that seems to be actually probably what did happen because there's no fucking way jennifer hale got paid less than helena taylor yeah, especially since that they are in the both both in the same union and they, you know, have a set price, you know, depending on your experience in the in the field. And you know, Helena Taylor, I've heard her and stuff, but you know, I skimmed through her IMDb page the other day and she's not credited with a with a ton of work. Bayonetta is definitely her you know, her her biggest role and of course Jennifer Hale has been in almost damn near everything for the past two decades. Um, so yeah, it seemed, it seemed unlikely. Yeah. That they were paying hail less, but maybe, maybe it was just, maybe for them, it wasn't a matter of, you know, paying one voice actor more or less. It was the fact that maybe they just wanted Jennifer Hale. Maybe they wanted mm-hmm. a big name tied to this game because Bayonetta two release exclusively for the Nintendo Switch and it sold okay. It didn't okay, sell well, great. I want to I want to cut you off. I'm sorry. I want to cut you off. It came out on the Wii U first because I played it on the Wii U. That's right. It was me, the one guy. Okay. I I forgot it came out on the Wii U. <laughs> um but I think overall it sold about a million copies, which is okay. It's not great. It's okay. Um so maybe they thought hiring on Hale would give them a little extra boost. I don't know. I've personally, I've never bought a game just for a voice actor, uh, and I've never gone to see a movie because of an actor before. Mm. But that's me. Uh, there are a lot of people that you know they they like they like certain actors and voice see, actors and whatnot. So you you and I specifically don't have to go all that far back into our own history of this already happened to us. Uh, with the guy I forgot earlier, Solid Snake. I said the name Solid Snake, and you knew instantly who the guy was. David Hader, yeah. 
Except, in the most recent Metal Gear Solid game, he wasn't. Because he got replaced by a Hollywood man, Kiefer Sutherland. But when you... But Hater was so iconic to that role, the second you think, who's the voice actor for Solid Snake, you don't think Kiefer Sutherland. No. And Sutherland was okay in that role, and I still... He's fine. I still enjoyed playing the game. I certainly didn't enjoy watching the game. Or <laughs> listening to... That's, let's not go back there, but, but that, yeah. like... That situation has already happened. I think the difference being that David Hayter didn't cut a promo on Keith Sutherland. Yeah, and while it was, I think it was a bad change to to uh, ax Hayter from the role, it was understandable because anybody that knows anything about Hijio Kojima knows that he's just got a big boner for Hollywood. And oh, he yeah, just, still does. And he wants to make movies and make games with all these all these Hollywood celebrities and whatnot, and it's just... It, personally, I think it's kind of sad, but uh, it, is what it, it is what it is, you know? It's like the nerdy kid that wants to hang out with the popular kids table in high school, but... Uh, yeah, this situation with Taylor, it's... I... Uh, you know, that came out of that Bloomberg report, and it basically all the sources in it are all Schreier sources that are anonymous, and... I told you the off, you know, off mic that either Platinum or Nintendo could come out and make a statement and resolve all of this. Well, they came out, Platinum Games came out with a statement. Um, I got it here right now. All right. You, know, you can decide whether this resolved anything. We at Platinum Games offer our sincerest appreciation to everyone who has contributed to making, creating the Bayonetta series over the years as well as the community that has served at its foundation. We give our full support to Jennifer Hale as the new Bayonetta and align with everything in her statement. We ask people to please refrain from any further comments that would disrespect Jennifer or any of the other contributors to the series. Okay, so they're saying they got Hale's back and all the other, you know, people that go into making the character of Bayonetta. So when people were calling for boy people, people, quote-unquote, we're calling for boycotts. The counter-argument was, you know, a lot of people worked on Bayonetta. You know, one voice actor does not make the thing. And that was my position. You know, I got into a back and forth with someone who was like, oh, I don't feel right playing this game now. It's like, you know what? That's totally fine for you. But if someone else doesn't give a fuck, then you can't get mad at them for buying the game anyways. And someone else talked to me, uh, added me, or whatever they say, and said, you know, only people in English care about this. So I was like, yeah. Nintendo and Platinum are Japanese fucking companies. No Japanese citizen gives a shit about the English voice actor for Bayonetta 3. This is such a narrow thing in a niche market for a niche game. Yeah, but you see my problem with that statement is that it didn't resolve anything. I mean, they didn't... No, they, they didn't they're, even, they're they, no. They didn't even tell their side of the story. They could have said... Okay, they could have said something along the lines of... Taylor was offered... We we think a generous salary, and she decided to turn it down for other opportunities. And we at Platinum Games respect the decision. Blah blah blah, and hope for the, hope for the best. They could have they could have closed the lid on all of it if they just came out and say that. My only counter to that it would be they the, the reason they didn't say that is so they can provide legal evidence later. Well, I mean, if it's I mean, if they say the truth if they come out and say the truth in a statement then they still got legal their legal evidence later i mean if maybe i don't i'm not a lawyer i don't know i mean if 
if they came out, if they were lying, if they said we offered it a fair amount and that came out to be a lie, then they would have no legal ground to stand on. So maybe they don't. Maybe so she, they, maybe by she, that logic, Taylor doesn't she, either. Maybe she was telling the truth. It was very odd that she gave a specific number. And, yeah, that, that uh, didn't help either. Uh, and that she also asked to boycott the game. She could have come out and just said, you know, they gave me an offer. I refused. I, you know, thought was, you know, didn't... Unfair. Even, you know, unfair and, you know, didn't... You know, wasn't the equal value of what I think my work is or what I've gotten mm-hmm. in previous works or whatever. But she kind of shot herself with the foot with the, the coming out and asking the people to boycott the game. Um, yeah. But uh, personally, just, I mean, the more I read about the story, I, it just seems like nothing's been resolved and we still don't know who's telling the truth and who's not. Yeah. If, if, it, if this really bothers the person, you can always play in Japanese so you don't have to hear Jennifer Hale's weird British accent. But uh, I don't know what this is going to do for the sales of the game. If it's going to increase or decrease or net value because, you know, the English-speaking world is not the bulk of Nintendo's market. But I don't know. I know I'm not playing it, but that's not because of voice acting. It's because uh, it's like a poor woman's devil may cry. Or even like a poor person's near Automata. Near Automata is better than Bayonetta. Yeah, and they're both platinum games but uh yeah i wasn't gonna play it either uh just yeah i've never been it's a fascinating games (laughs) it's a fascinating mess of a story that there will be more details to follow in the coming year i'm i'm putting a stamp on it there's gonna be taylor's gonna sue him she might um if she does she she better have a lot of irrefutable evidence in that case (laughs) um but uh, I don't know. Just judging from the video statements she's made, she comes across as a very overly emotional person. And I think I, she also said that uh, Hale doesn't deserve to be Bayonetta. Was that right? Yeah, yeah. That wasn't a uh, that wasn't a really good look either. <laughs> it almost it, this whole episode just uh, this drama just makes me seem like Taylor doesn't even want to be a voice actor anymore it's like she's intentionally sabotaging her own career and if that's the case there's better ways to do that (laughs) uh on the day this happened you know people arguing back and forth as they do and a couple of people were like what reason would she have to lie she loses her whole career and it's like what reason does anyone have to lie do you know why people lie to get you to believe them that's it plus if she thought she could benefit or profit off of it somehow Mm-hmm. I remember, oh yeah, people were saying, oh, we should start like a GoFundMe or some shit on the day. And I was like, fuck me, dude, don't worship any celebrity, voice actor, movie actor, nothing. These are just people and they're just as capable of, you know, any negligence or, heaven forbid, evil as any other human being. Yeah, I would as say... Shown, as shown from the guy from Platinum. I, I would say you should apply that attitude to big faces corporations as well. Uh, sure. But, you know, they got the consumer over the barrel anyways because they're creating the product. Everyone at, who's at Capcom who's making Resident Evil 4 could be a huge bigot, just like incredibly evil and racist and sexist and just horrible human beings. I still want to play the game. Yeah, no, if, you, uh, if you're if you listening to this podcast hoping to find 
follow hosts with a strong moral compass, then, uh, <laughs> then you're shit out of luck. Sorry. My, my thing has always been gather as much information as you can, but make your own decisions. Information is still to come in this Bayonetta story, I believe. But uh, I made my decision years ago when I played Bayonetta 2 on the Wii U. I was like, this blows. <laughs> hey, this chick voice at her. Hope they replace her. <laughs> oh, no, actually, her her voice was not the problem. The voice of the kid was the problem. Uh, whatever. Yeah, so the Bayonetta of the game sucks, but she has a nice ass. Speaking of characters with nice asses, Sizzy, you've been playing Overwatch 2, right? Yes, where everyone has a nice ass. <laughs> it's all that crouching that they do. Uh, little background, in older episodes of this here podcast, which may or may not be available on your current listening platform of choice, uh, you espouted your love of over the original Overwatch game. I played it a lot as well in the early years. Uh, you put in several hundred hours, spent a couple dozen dollars. Uh, it was your game of the year of the year it came out. Here we are all these years later, and Overwatch 2 is now a different beast, a different market. It's now free to play, that... Uh, Promise player versus enemy story campaign has not come out yet, but they have reduced the team size and changed the way you pick your team and changed the way you even earn new characters to be on your team. So what are your overall impressions? Well, yeah, to set it up a little bit, yeah, like you said, I played it when it originally came out in 2016. Overwatch 1, that is. Or uh, what we used to call Overwatch. And... Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it, and it was probably, it's right up there with Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the original, as my favorite multiplayer game of all time. It might be, mm. it, it might be my favorite, because it was the first multiplayer game I've ever played where I didn't mind playing solo. I didn't need to get in a group, like COD is, I, I played COD solo, but it was much more fun as a group, and... Of course. Uh... I just, I loved Overwatch. I I love the characters. I love the art styles. I love the, I love the maps. I loved the world building that all the, they released, they told in the trailers leading up to the release. And learning about these characters and playing the game. And it was team-based hero type gameplay. And it was, you know, had that kind of, excuse me, MMO or MOBA sort of uh, team set up with, you know, tanks and DPS and healers and all that. And every character was unique and played really different from each other. And it was a ton of fun. And I absolutely, absolutely loved it and played it for a long time. I'd say pretty, pretty regularly for a good solid three years up till mid to late 2019, I want to say. I started mm -hmm. slowing down. And that's because they started, Blizzard started slowing down on their updates. And they eventually stopped releasing new characters. Uh, they may th they might have thrown out a new map every few months or so. Uh, skins just became reskins of other, other uh, legendary skins, epic skins and whatnot. There was very little effort or thought put into them. It's it's clear signs of a game winding down so we can make the next one. Focus our resources on the next iteration. Yeah, and late 2019 at BlizzCon, they revealed Overwatch 2. And they had this big 
big fancy cinematic trailer showing that Overwatch in the world was coming back and the team was getting bringing the band back together. It was going the next game was going to focus on PVE, which is player versus enemy. If listeners mm-hmm. don't know, and they've they had dipped their toes into that uh, throughout the lifespan of Overwatch with these with different seasonal events. And I think it first started with the Halloween Junkenstein's Revenge, where the, oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, the character Junkrat was like Frankenstein and other characters. There were like different Halloween horror, you know, monsters and uh, horror figures and all that. And yeah, we did that. It's just like tower defense. Like, don't let them explode this door. Yeah, yeah. It was basically basically a horde mode is what it was. All these mm-hmm. all these robots would come out and. You'd have to shoot them before they explode, destroy the door, and all that. And if the, they blew up the door, then you lost, and you'd win by taking them all out. And that was really fun. It was, it was, it was cool, and it was a joy, joy to play. And they, uh, as the years went on, they released other events like that at different times of the year, uh, including archives event, uh, where they followed the events of Black Watch, which was like the Black Ops team of Overwatch and that was uh, a little different because it had a, they cr- created a whole new map for it and they eventually released the map for PVP, but they made a whole new map for this, this archive mode. And it's, there's actual, there's a cutscene at the beginning and there's a whole story behind it. And you're trying to escape also, you know, but also being pursued by these secret agents and whatnot. And there's all these uh, foot soldiers and different enemy types and, different objectives that would pop up and it was they just expanded on the pve pve mode and it was great and i couldn't wait to for more and when they finally announced overwatch 2 was coming out and it sounded like they were just they were going to take it even more to the next level with the pve with bigger maps and more objectives more complex goals that you needed to achieve and characters would have you know more abilities more ultimates and just a bunch of other cool cool stuff that i was really looking forward to because i really i loved playing the game but i also i i just i love the world i love the world of overwatch and it was mm-hmm. it, i just love the look of it and i love the characters and all that and it just all had that 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 polish that a lot of blizzard games have and that you don't you know it's Hard for you know. There's not many, not many studios that can uh, developers that can achieve that level of uh, polish and refinement, and, and yeah. refinement in their games. And uh, so, I was really looking forward to it. And when they revealed it in 2019, they said they had been working on it for a couple of years by then, um, which would ex- explain why there was such a such a lack of new content being released for the original Overwatch, the PvP mode. And I thought, okay, that's that's cool. That's great. I want more PvP PvE. I played a crap ton of the PvP, love my enjoyed my time with it, but I'd would love to see this universe and characters expanded further and play and see what they have in store for PvE because Blizzard's made great PvE type type games, you know? Uh but then, but then a funny thing happened in between the release of Overwatch and Overwatch 2. Fortnite got really popular, 
and uh, showed other shooters that you can put very little effort in making a game at all, and we just use the, the two word phrases becoming an anathema to all things good. Battle Pass. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the other fun thing, Corona. The, the, coming out. Oh, no. I thought the real-life sex controversies. It's like, no, oh, that's not worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, that I, I was going to talk about it, but... Oh, well... I mean, I wasn't going to go into detail, but, yeah, I mean, that was that also contributed to everything that's gone on with what is now Activision Blizzard nowadays. They had a lot of they had a lot of employees come out and say there was inappropriate conduct going in the going on in the workplace. And uh, then yeah, you had also COVID come out, so obviously that shut things down. But there was just it was total radio silence when it came to Overwatch Two. Didn't know anything, yeah. and I just figured, okay, yeah, the world shut down, and a lot of developers don't like to come out and really talk up their games a whole lot blizzard doesn't do it unless it's at their own convention we wouldn't know anything about rockstar had they not just had a leak yeah yeah they're notorious for keeping their lips sealed and that's what just kind of what i figured with blizzard going on but then it just kept it just kept happening and at at the time yeah like you mentioned fortnite really blew up uh, along with apex legends and there's been a few other ones. There's another really popular one. A lot of them, a lot of the copies have seemed to crash and burn, but those two have just become absolute titans in the industry. And yeah, they released that Battle Pass concept, and I'm just I'm not a fan of it. I Yeah, they announced Overwatch 2 is going free-to-play, and that's when I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not playing Overwatch 2, because I know what, what those words mean, too. Those words mean microtransactions up the ass. And Overwatch, I didn't think it was as bad as everyone, even you, made it out to be. Overwatch 1's loot box system, I really did not think it was that huge a deal. It is, from my limited understanding now, so much worse in terms of having to grind for shit. Well, I didn't think, I didn't think the loot box system was bad either. Uh, it, could get, okay. it could get annoying, certainly, but you could always, you could get whatever skin you wanted. Either you might get lucky and get it in a box, or you can earn enough credits by leveling up or getting credit for duplicate items in a box. Mm -hmm. And you get enough, and then eventually you get enough credits to buy the skin you want. So eventually you get it. Now, with this new Overwatch system, Overwatch 2, Battle Pass, and more importantly, or just as importantly, the, the new Overwatch 2 store that's been implemented... Blizzard does not want you to get every skin by just playing the game. <laughs> they want you to pay money to get the skin. Yeah. And not only do they want, they want you to pay money, they want you to pay a lot of money. I'm talking $10, 12, $15, $20 for one or two skins. And that is not an exaggeration. More behind the scenes. Excuse me. More behind the scenes things. It's like uh, in between these two releases, Diablo Immortal also came out the mobile game that is chock-fucking-full of microtransactions and, you know, people demanding for the sexual allegations stuff, people demanding that Bobby Kotick step down, they already fired a bunch of other senior-level managers, and that Microsoft was like, okay, you know what, we're going to buy this whole fucking company, okay? We're going to fix all these problems. And Sony is like, whoa, no, hold on a minute there, player. You can't buy this company. And that still hasn't finished yet. It probably won't finish until middle of next year, maybe. So I don't think any of these issues are going to end until then. 
till acquisition is final. But you know, even then, it'll be a few more months or years before they can fix fix quote unquote all the microtransaction problems. Yeah, and I don't think Microsoft buying Blizzard is gonna just automatically just hand wave and fix all the culture. The no, 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 no. Issues that they got going on there, but uh, and they would have to fire a lot of senior level staff, and and they could. But, you know, it's a year away, at least. Yeah, who's so going to make the game, if, if it'll actually happen. Well, senior-level staff, not, you know, programmers and devs. Yeah, everyone seems to get off of those scot-free. Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, if you're a lead graphic designer, you can pinch as many bottoms as you want. But if you're a manager... <laughs> as long as you're not in charge, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, if you're, That's what we've learned from the hashtag MeToo movement. If you're a manager, then you're right in, right in the crosshairs. So, yeah, what was I saying? Uh, I'm trying to... Lost my train of thought there. The Blizzard, the Blizzard store, they don't want you to pay for... Yeah. I mean, they don't want you to play to win. They want you to pay to win. Yeah, yeah, they are just... Yeah, to get the get the skins, which are just totally cosmetic. And they're nice, but it's still it's a still a game in a first-person perspective, so it's not like you're seeing all the... your What you're wearing at all times, so... And I... It's, being a legacy player, I got a ton of skins already, so... And I got one for pretty much... One... Or two, I really like for every character, so it's not a big deal for me, and I'm sure as hell not going to pay money just for one or two skins. And I'm not going to pay for the battle pass, even though you have to if you want to lock everything. It's it's so hilarious when you don't buy the battle pass, but there's still a quote-unquote progression system. Like, oh, you can still gain levels. Well, you can't get you can get a voice line for maybe every ten levels if if you don't buy the battle pass, so it's just doesn't even doesn't even seem worth it. And you don't even you don't even get any credits from leveling up. You can get them from completing weekly challenges. But the thing is, they've added multiple currencies, like a lot of these live service games do. Apex has like three, yeah. Yeah, there's I don't know the names of it, but the symbols. One's a gray credit symbol, and the other is a golden credit symbol. And the gray ones seem to be the legacy currency that transferred over from the original. And the gold ones seem to be the new new ones that you can earn from weekly challenges. In which you can you can earn a grand total of 60 credits per week by completing all the challenges. Which Wow, that's almost a whole foot. Yeah, and uh, I think... I think the epic skins are over a thousand, and the legendaries I think are fifteen hundred or two thousand, something like that. <laughs> so it would take you literal weeks and months just to get this, just one skin that you might want. Um, oh, another thing about the store is the skins and the skin packs—they all cycle daily. Or oh, they're on rotation, yeah, like in uh, Gran Turismo. Yes, excellent. Yeah, there are. It's. I think it's bi-daily, two or three days or something like that. So even if you even if you see a skin you want, you got to buy it then. Otherwise, you may not see it for oh, another month or wonderful. something. And you, there's no way of, as far as I know, there's it's just random. I don't. No one's created a website to track them yet, <laughs> if that is a thing. But uh, we're going to transition here to the actual game part of the game here in a moment. But along this this idea of microtransactions. This is maybe the 30th game we've seen like this, right? You know, not counting the un- unpopular spinoffs of Fortnite. But in this style, you know, the Apex and, again, Gran Turismo. 
and various other games, even the ones that you wouldn't think of being microtransaction heavy, still are. What's going to be the thing to finally break the gaming industry out of this shit? Boy, I don't know. Because um... I'm not even, I'm not even beyond tired of. I'm so far beyond tired of it. I, I don't put any brain effort into it. Like when they said free to play battle pass, I checked out. I was like, I'm not thinking about this game anymore. I'm out. Yeah, I just I've given it some thought, but like you, I despise the the entire thing, uh, the, the the entire live service game type and the battle passes and paying just money at the and shark cards and all that all that garbage. Yeah, and yeah. It's just I I think it's I don't want to sound like hyperbole, man, but I think it's a blight on the industry. I really do. Uh, but it's not going to. I don't think it's going to go away, unfortunately. It's just, it's too easy for these bit these big corps, these big publishers, and developers to look and say, okay, we can we can spend and and exert a minimal amount of effort and resources and time into making this type of game, this mobile game or whatever game that requires mm -hmm. a battle pass, and then just charge up the ass. For cosmetic shit and it doesn't matter if 90% of the players don't it, hate it and don't buy anything it's just that 10% or maybe even like a 5% bit player base to buy it to make a really really sizable profit for these companies <laughs> it's, it's a lot of back ending yeah you see that a ton which is different I think than say like you know Resident Evil 4 to go way back Resident Evil 4 is going to have this super legendary collector's edition. It's probably going to be like $200. You get a fucking statue of Leon. It's like, wow. But that's different from, say, Reverse, which is, oh, here's eight characters. If you want more, you got to buy them. Yeah, and apologists will just hand wave it and say, oh, well, it's a, free, it's a free game, so you don't have to buy anything. That's true, but that also means that the developer doesn't have to put much effort into the game. Now... I think games like Fortnite and now Overwatch 2, they are really solid games. I mean, I don't, I don't like to play Fortnite, but I'll acknowledge that, yeah, it's, you know, they put some effort into, into making it and developing the gameplay and all that. Yeah, half of Fortnite's popularity is the character IPs, and half of it is it works as a solid game. Yeah, yeah, you, and I think that's when a lot of the copycats have failed. You know, they just try to they kind of just kind of make a half-ass game and then charge the ass of it it's like no you got to put mm -hmm. a little effort into it <laughs> but you don't have to put a ton and you don't have to spend a lot of de development time as you would say an expansive pve experience like overwatch 2 because see in the development somewhere along the development cycle they were working on pve for about three years but then COVID happened and all this shit internal shit started going on at blizzard and someone upper management decided, okay, we're not bothering with that. We're just, we just we need to make a lot of money as quickly as possible. So we need to shift everything into PvP and implement the battle pass and just try to make up our losses as quickly as we can. And so they spent... Have they, I think, have they actually announced a cancellation of the PvE mode or just an infinite delay? No, no. Uh, the latest I've heard... And I, it wasn't an official statement, so I'd have to do some digging on the, uh, and off time. But from what I've heard is they're just basically going to piecemeal it. 
and they're going to introduce it bit by bit, like like they do. <laughs> a battle pass for campaign? Probably so, or something along the lines of the seasonal events where it's a limited time, and then it's, you know, once the time expires and it's gone forever, which I just, that's the exact opposite I wanted. I wanted a... I wanted a complete whole experience just all released at once that I could, you know, play at my leisure. Yeah, you pay $60 for it, and then you own it, and then it's done. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, which is what I thought when I bought the original Overwatch, but now that game's gone. Although, funnily enough, people... I I had the digital version, but people who have the disc version of Overwatch say, if you put it in, that'll just boot up Overwatch 2. But, uh... I don't think it should be called Overwatch 2. It's not a new game. It's the same game. Just one less tank and a few numbers changes behind the scenes. Yeah, so so let's get to the nitty-gritty now. How does it actually play? You put hun- literally hundreds of hours into the first game. What's better or what's worse? That plays great. It's Overwatch. That's all it is. It's Overwatch with one less tank. And it's I, I have a lot of fun with it because I had a lot of fun with the original. I don't like that there's only one tank because I told you and Rob this last night. If in the original Overwatch, if you had a bad or average tank, then you could get away with it. And Overwatch 2, if you have a bad or average tank, you're probably losing, more likely. And there's been games in Overwatch 2 where I'd be playing support and I'll just be healing out the ass. There was one game where I had more. I had more healing done than the two supports on the enemy team combined, and we still lost the game. And that's just because we just didn't, we had a tank that just kept, you know, charging in and getting, you know, getting isolated and just burned down super quick. And then it's just the squishy supports and DPS left, and then they just get picked up one by one. What's the logic behind reducing the team size from six to five? Well, the the logic they stated is because another thing, another problem with uh, over the original Overwatch later in its life cycle is, although the, they've made a lot of, ch- you know, throughout the game's life, they cha- made a lot of changes with characters, and some were more drastic than others. But and every new character got added in, you know, just would kind of mix things up and change the meta up all on its own. And it got to the, be the point where there were a ton of shields and there were way too many crowd control abilities. Uh, by you know by crowd control, I mean basically stuns. Uh, too many abilities that would just, you know, click of a button. Hit multiple stun- targets. Yeah. Well, that, but uh, like McCree's, uh, his grenade, his stun grenade, just like you just throw it out and then, you know, he just headshot you or, you know, fan the hammer and you're dead or Bridget, a support healer had a uh, shield bass that stunned you. And if you were a squishy DPS or a support that got isolated and stunned, and then she could just wail on you with her mace and then you're dead. And there's a few others that like that were just, it was just, there was too many shields and there was too many stuns and it was, you're, you're just, it was not fun anymore. And that was a part of why I stopped playing as well. And so they decided in two to reduce the number of shields and the number of stuns. And I, will, I admit, 
it's nice. It it is is nice that there's not constantly shields up everywhere and there's actual targets that I can hit and do damage and try to eliminate. Um, and there's not and playing DPS. I played a little bit of DPS in two. You know, it's nice to be able to go in the back lines without having to worry about a Bridget shield bash or McCree stunning me and then me unable to get out of there or get back to safety and whatnot. So, uh, there's a prevailing theory. This is not, this is among people who play games. It's like, uh, you know, back in Call of Duty days when you hear, oh, this gun's too powerful or this gun's too weak, buff it. And what they usually do is buff defensive capabilities rather than offensive capabilities. When, you know, your average gamer who doesn't know shit about game programming thinks, well, why don't you just buff everything? Why don't you just make everything super strong? So that way nothing's weak. You know, that fucking syndrome of everything's strong, nothing is. Sort of nonsense. And that's not how balance works. Especially if they're disparate. If, like, every single player had the exact same gun, and, you know, then it would all be skill. But because this specific type of game uh, requires different loadouts for everyone... There's going to be, you know, varying skill levels and varying ways of uh, interacting. I'm not saying this right. But you know what I mean? In terms of, like, what's strong versus what's weak. There's always going to be something unbalanced. And you can try to fuck with it as much as possible, but you can't hit a perfect zero. No, but I don't think they should ever stop trying to. Uh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you mentioned it's uh, you know, a lot of skill levels to take into account. With one less tank, and just they did add a lot of defensive buffs, especially to two tanks in general. They, I think, they have a they have more armor, which reduces damage, and they also take less knockback. You know, they don't get knocked back as far from skills that do that, and they're just they're extremely tanky uh, in general. But uh, some are more tankier than others like Zarya they changed her bubble where instead of separate cooldowns for her self bubble and her you know bubble she could give to her an ally now she has two charges to split up between the two abilities so in theory she could bubble herself once and then bubble an ally or she could bubble an ally twice or what i'm seeing now and was which what is making Zarya such a pain in the ass to play against is she can bubble herself twice so she can take on like two or three enemy enemy combatants at once. And a lot of people, it's hard to judge when the best time to take, you know, shoot her bubble is because a lot of people either shoot it all the time or never shoot it. And there are times where you want to shoot it. If she's by herself, then, and she doesn't have a pocket healer, then yeah, go nuts, burn her down, burn the shield down and then take her out. But if she's got a pocket healer and it's just, you know, two of them, and she's got her bubbles, then, yeah, God, she's just impossible. It's crazy, and I don't, and the other, there's some tanks that don't even feel like tanks, they just feel like DPS with more health. Um, and with all these changes, the thing I've noticed the most is that Overwatch 2 seems much more skill-based than Overwatch 1. And what I mean by that is I think there's a greater potential for solo carry, which is fun to see. And if you're that good, then it's it, it's a great feeling. But uh, at the same time, I also think it 
it conflicts with the spirit of the original of the first Overwatch, which was a team-based game, and it was about adapting to your enemy enemy team's loadout. And yeah, but it was it was on the fly adaptation, and that Zara scenario. What I'm thinking, like as you're describing, I'm thinking, okay, so if she's double shielding, why are we attacking her at all? Go around, go somewhere else. What, what do we need to attack this one invincible person for? There's another team out there. Well, because th- that's to me what Overwatch is. Well, I think it's. Uh, well, I think that the the one tank per team kind of exacerbates that. Now it now every game feels like okay if we can take out the tank and then we can get a team wipe, which happens a lot. I've gotten so it becomes a one v five game for a while. <laughs> sort of, yeah. I mean, if Azaria goes up alone, if she's by herself against her, the whole enemy team, the all five of them, then yeah, she's dead. But like I said, if she's got a pocket healer then it's very, very hard to take her down. And there's just a big imbalance with the other tanks in, in the class. But like I was saying, it's just, it, there's, it's, it seems like there's more emphasis on skill in the game and not so much as team cooperation and strategies and on-the-fly tactics and, and class changes and all that, which is what made the game original so much fun for me. Yeah, because it was. I liked it when I played it. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't another COD or Battlefield. It wasn't a Twitch shooter, which I, which I played those when I was younger, and they were fun. But that was more because I was playing with the right people, and they made it fun, not because I really am, am in love with that style of FPS game. But Overwatch, it was different. It was. It was. It was a hero class game, which I I love. And they all had these different abilities, and some complimented other characters more and some would counter other characters more than others and it was nice just trying to as you played a game in overwatch to there was that ebb and flow to try and find the right balance in the Mm -hmm. team and the right team composition and now if you just have if other team has a really good reaper then they can just steamroll you and you just there's not a whole lot you can do about it honestly unless you just have a Someone who's a really, really good Widowmaker, you know, some or a, a really good Pharaoh, Pharaoh. So, yeah, it just doesn't. It, it's kind of an odd feeling because it, it just it, it, in a lot of ways, it's still the same game. It's still fun to play, but there's just there's something different about it. And it's not the even. Genesis it's not Quan. just. It's just. It's just not the. It's. It's not even just the inclusion of the battle pass and the store it's in the actual game itself playing it you know getting in a match and like yeah it's 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 like going to a restaurant and getting a dish you've gotten hundreds of times but they get a new chef and there's something a little different about it (laughs) there's a different spice or different way they prepare it and it's just it's not the same and it's in overwatch 2's case i think it's worse than the original um and a lot Do you of see just, yourself playing this for several hundred hours like you did the first? Uh, absolutely not. No. Um, I, I'm playing it now just because it's new, and I do like the new characters that they added. Uh, they've added uh, Junker Queen, uh, got a healer Kuriko. She's like a ninja girl that throws kunais, and she's got a magic fox, and Junker Queen has a shotgun and a knife that she can throw and recall back like Thor's hammer and uh, another DPS shooter called Sojourn, and she's got a 
she's got an assault rifle, but also when it char gets enough charge, then you can release a beam like a rail gun, and she's got a she's got a slide and a high jump, and they're all really they're really fun to play. But once that newness wears off, then I don't see myself playing a whole lot of the game. And don't get me wrong, I I didn't play the first Overwatch for hundreds of hours because I like the loot box system and I liked leveling up. But those things certainly add to the experience and it gives you something to strive for and it gives you that Incentives, small yeah. it gives you that small little bit of dopamine after every game. Which <laughs> it seems like the battle pass system would be uniquely catered to, but the thing is you gotta pay for it every time and there's there's one for every season that lasts for two or three months. So it's like going to a, it's like going to your drug dealer every once in a while just to get your get your new hit instead of having a one time payment and then having a level up system that you can constantly there's something excuse me, to always gain and you get credits or skins or what have you in the original. Now it's just okay, just yeah, here's your free game, but you also if you want anything if you want any new cosmetics then you got to pay for this and you got to pay for that you can pay for this but it may not be available to to use one of your food metaphors here's a sandwich it's just two pieces of bread well technically that's a sandwich if you want all the other stuff yeah you got to pay extra whether it's for the you got to pay this much for the bean this much for the mm -hmm. lettuce and tomatoes and etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah and yeah it's to summarize it, yeah, it's it's a lot of ways it's the same game. It's fun to play. It's you know it's it's hot. It's fresh. They announced they had up to twenty five million players, but how impressive is that when it's a free game? <laughs> and those again are early numbers. What's the sustainability? Yeah, that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in uh, the first initial spike in population. I want to know what it's what it's like several months later, a year later, because it's the same with MMOs. That shows you the that shows you the frequency of updates and also the quality of updates and how much the developer listens to the community, takes their feedback seriously, and implements the best changes, whether they're balance or patches or whatever, just do the best job to make the best product that they can and create the best experience for gamers and their fan base. And that's how you keep a fan base. That's how they retain their loyalty. Not by completely axing something, axing the PVE, which a lot of people, including myself, were looking forward to, and then just slapping the battle pass, slapping the store, on the main page and saying, here you go. Here's more. This is probably what we should have been doing. If we were going to do this, we should have implemented it years ago, but we stopped to develop this other thing, but we dropped that. So, you know, back to business as usual, but now with the battle it's, pass. It's an interesting, it's an interesting and terrifying era we're in in, in gaming now. Where, uh, not everything, a lot of, you know, there's a fuckload of single-player content out there. I don't want to be doom and gloom. But so many games come out and don't want you to actually play them. They want you to buy them 
and then continue to buy them even though you already bought them. It's like, does Overwatch really give a fuck if you play it? No, it cares if you buy the new skins. Yeah, the 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 numbers, the population numbers that they that they set out. I mean, that's that only shows you if you're Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, that that just shows you the potential customers. Like, oh, we got 25 million people. If we can get a million of those to buy these skins, not even that, not even that many. Maybe like two, three hundred thousand to buy a handful of skins, then. We're sitting pretty. And the skins are so expensive that they don't need to sell a lot. And they're also expensive because I think they're going to do what a lot of these other developers do. And they'll pretend to listen to the community's feedback and decrease the prices. And then all of a sudden they're the good guys again. Because, oh, look, we listened to the fans. See, everything's it's cheaper now. It's It's that bargaining tactic where you ask for a price that's much much higher than your desired one yep i was that, about to say that that way you yep. you know that way you can you know if you can pretend to be lowballed and get to the price down to what you want how does walmart constantly lower prices but still stay in business well think about it because the prices were way too high in the first place that's how yeah plus being a giant one-stop shop they're counting on the fact that you when you get in there you see all this other stuff like, oh, now that I think about it, now that I'm here, I'll get I'll get some toothpaste. I need some... I have, yeah. <laughs> I have some Overwatch bucks left over. I might as well buy this Winston skin. Yeah, you know, while I'm here. <laughs> I still have my legacy cr- credits, but... Oh, that's another thing I didn't get into. There's only... With these different types of currencies, there's only certain types of skins and cosmetics you can buy with certain currencies. Of course. So I got all these legacy bucks that the only thing I can buy with them are other legacy outfits, which I have most of them. So (laughs) what good does it do me? So, yeah, it's just eh, I don't it's a very odd feeling. It's it's like it's like seeing a, a sibling that you haven't in years and they're just completely changed their look and they're attitude and all this we we don't just... we don't have to go that far i think we can go into something we've talked about not you and i specifically you know marvel disney uh warner brothers these properties that we've, we've loved for years and now they start fucking with it and it's like oh this isn't what i like anymore and then you know peace sign we're out i've already i checked out of Overwatch too i'm probably not it, it's i try not to give hundreds on this I, it's like 99.9 percent repeating i won't be playing overwatch 2 yeah, like I stated, I'll play it till the new char- the sheen of the new characters wears off, and might come back for a seasonal event or two, and if they ever release yeah. PVE, but it's not, I'm, I'm not hopeful that they ever will. It just makes me wonder what they did with all that work. They spent over three years in developing the PVE, like, where does it go? They just dump it in the digital trash can, and that's it? Sorry. Yeah. Control X, it's gone. Yeah, well, I don't Well, I guess we'll see. I, I don't know. I've uh, I've looked on threads and a lot of Blizzard employees that confirm Blizzard employees apparently have talked about the effort that went into developing the PVE and uh, a lot of them equate it to to creating a new character 
with all the new abilities just that these old old characters have and they're just they play completely differently and that took a lot of time and effort but now it's just yeah sorry it's just... either this happens more often than we know about we just never hear about it uh i don't i'm just too late for this show but there's a, there's a very story uh, a lot of stories of games like oh this unannounced game was canceled it's like how do we know you canceled it? you never announced oh we worked on it for a year but then said fuck it you, know, you hear that a lot. It's like, we never heard of this game. How long have you been working on it? Well, like three years. It's like, eh, when did you say anything? Eh, no, it's gone now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but Overwatch 2 was announced. That's the difference. Yes, yes. They had trailers. They had interviews. They had stills. They had press conferences. They had video conferences when everybody was forced to work at home. They had all this new footage throughout, you know, in the, since, you know, between 2019 and late 2021. And it's just kind of... It, they're just ramping people up for all the talking about all this work and you know blood, sweat, and tears going into it, and how proud of it they are. But then someone higher up decides on a different direction, and that you know just it, people that are looking forward to it are just shit out of luck now. Like, hmm. what we've learned from this here episode of podcast is that if you treat your customers well, like Capcom is doing. They'll keep buying your stuff, and you'll make a shitload of money like Capcom is doing. If you turn your customers off, then you're going to lose them probably forever. Yeah, and kind of to circle back to Silent Hill as well, it is it is encouraging to to see Konami at least releasing new entries in there, in these, or, or Case of Silent Hill 2, a remake of an old entry, but it's a console game and P console and PC. It's not just a mobile game or a pachinko game, which are big over in Japan. <laughs> it's, that, it's that meme of the stick figure ninja poking the dead thing. It's like, come on, do something. Yeah. The, yeah. The dead thing is all the Konami IP. So, <laughs> Hey, and I don't know. Heck, they may be losing money on the pachinko machines for all I know, but, uh, and they're just, you know, remaking these games and releasing these console games. Just, to... mm -hmm. I think, I think the remake is guaranteed money. You know, it's like people are going to buy this because it's such a popular entry in the you know the most hailed of the franchise. So that will give them investment to make new entries. Maybe I don't know, but a lot of people would have to buy into Silent Hill Two for that to be true. Yeah, and it's definitely something fans have clamored for. So, and when when did Capcom turn around? You know, they were down for years. I don't mean financially, but like in the public spectacle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, when they announced that, and then Devil May Cry 5, they hit it out, and then Monster Hunter, they just, they're like, bam, suddenly the, you gave people what they wanted, and now they're giving you their money, and now you can make more stuff. It was that easy and that simple. Yeah, they might have, they might have turned the corner even during uh, when Street Fighter 5 was still in the mainstream and that yeah game, late late in street fighter five's life yes because you know more about this than i do but <laughs> i i got it late and they and there's a store in street fighter five that you can buy cosmetics and all that and characters but there's also a way you can earn the credits as well just by playing the game and then you can buy whatever you want which is nice and i did that with in five to buy some of the new characters and some of them i didn't buy because i didn't like or I didn't, you know, wasn't interested in or anything. So I don't know if that's always been the case for that game, or if they added that in later on. 
It wasn't at launch. I know that. So, yeah, they uh, they've they've had a really good redemption arc, and I hope they keep at yes. it. Keep and, making good games. People will keep giving you their money. Yeah, good. And not only that, but good single player games and yes. or multiplayer games. You just have to buy. Once. Not that Capcom doesn't just keep trying to shove Resident Evil multiplayer. There's like fifth or sixth try. Yeah, we'll get it eventually. <laughs> yeah, that, boy, yeah, that, that game they took a year off to polish it, and I think it needs a little more time in the oven. And that's a thing you can totally dump. It's like, oh, we spent all this time in this PvP mode. And it's like, nah, dump it. Focus all on PvE. You don't need... And it's something, as a consumer, I'm willing to forgive. Because, like you said, they've released so much other good stuff Mm -hmm. over the year. You know, in the past few years, so... They used to be called Crapcom, but now no more. Now they're respected again. And now they're called just Capcom now. Because there's no... It's just Capcom. Uh, I think that's it for us. Thank you... Do you have anything else in final? No, no. Sorry, I kind of tailed off there. Nah, I know in my, in my Overwatch 2 talk, but there's just... I expected that, to, to be honest. They're, they're just... I got so many emotions with that game and so many so many thoughts. No, it's, it's near and dear to you. Totally understandable. And, and while I... I'll, like I said, I'll be playing... We'll play 2 every once in a while, but I'm <laughs> not going to be playing it nearly as frequently as I did. Meanwhile, I've suddenly become a COD bro again. After how many years? Yeah, that's... I've been playing all the fucking Call of Duty games. That's and that's a tease for the next episode that I'm going to do with my brother. We're going to talk all about that shit. Oh, man, I cannot wait uh, for that. Look forward to that. But for this episode, that's it for me and him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter, at Loki Jarson. Uh, you can't find Stizzy anywhere because he's busy playing Overwatch 2. Message him in Overwatch 2 and say how much you think he sucks at the game or something. <laughs> do that. It'll be funny. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. See ya.